Welcome to the Daily Progressaholic Podcast, where we provide you with advice on how to progress through your self-development journey and fall in love with the process of improving yourself spiritually, mentally, and physically. Welcome to the Daily Progressaholic Podcast. And today we have with us two very special guests, Cheyenne Yazdanpana and Michelle Dowling. They are both a part of Jack.org and Be There. Now, Jack.org is Canada's only charity training and empowering young leaders to revolutionize mental health. And Be There is an engaging web-based resource that illuminates how we can be there for our loved ones when they struggle with their mental health. Now, Cheyenne grew up in Richmond Hill, Ontario and studied aerospace engineering at Ryerson. He is a Be There coordinator and a Jack Talk speaker and was part of the first and second cohort of network representatives with Jack.org. Next, we have Michelle, who is a project manager at Be There. Michelle holds a degree in biomedical engineering from the University of Ottawa and an MBA from health services management from McMaster. Her passion for health equality is the driving force behind her work on health-related projects in Canada and abroad, including affordable housing models, provision of clean drinking water, health worker education, and LGBTQ plus rights. It is my utmost pleasure to welcome the two of you. Thank you so much for being here. That's awesome. So guys, let's just start off by sort of like sort of your journey leading up to Jack.org. Um, would love to hear a little bit more about that in the first place. Yeah, I can go first if you'd like, Michelle. Um, so yeah, I got involved with Jack.org about almost five years ago now. Um, I, uh, you know, in undergrad was like a lot of young people struggling a bit with, you know, my mental health and things that I was kind of going through at the time. Um, and it wasn't something that I you know, was raised to take care of, or it wasn't something that I really recognized the importance of until it got so bad. Uh, And even at that point where it was kind of at at its worst, I thought that I was very unique in the situation. I thought that it was very specific to my circumstances and that other people, you know, weren't going through similar things. You know, my friends seemed like they had their lives together. And I just thought that I was kind of the only one dealing with these things. Um, And it wasn't until I kind of started actually opening up to, you know, one person and then a few people and then lots of people that I realized, no, a lot of us are struggling um, with our mental health. It's just a lot of us don't feel comfortable talking about it. Um, And so that's when I learned about Jack.org and the work that they were doing, which was essentially about making sure that young people everywhere know it's okay to struggle with your mental health and it's normal and that, you know, we can do things to take care of it. Uh, And as I started taking care of my mental health, I realized that, you know, there's probably thousands of other Cheyennes in the world who are going through similar things. And so I wanted to be able to, you know, give back and help, um, you know, people in those situations. And so that's when I started as a Jack Talk speaker. And then since then, it's just, you know, taken on a variety of different, uh, you know, roles. And now I've been the Be There coordinator for, um, well, you know, officially, I guess, <laughs> uh, two ish months, but I've been with Jack.org for uh, a bit longer. Um, working in a few different capacities full time. And yeah, it's been, it's been a pleasure so far. It's awesome. Were you involved in Jack.org Oregon university as well? One of the university chapters or? I was involved in a chapter, but I was a Jack talk speaker when I was uh, in undergrad. So it was cool. Cause you know, I was a part of other, you know, student, uh, student groups and like, you know, worked a bit with the student union and stuff like that. Um, but this was just like such a different, unique uh, experience. Uh, yeah. You know, nowhere else are you being sent to school to like deliver presentations and just like, 
other than the good work you're doing, the hands-on work you got to do and the training and the skills was all really good for like a young person, you know, trying to make, set themselves apart from every other young student leader. So uh, yeah, it was, it was a great opportunity in university. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Michelle? Uh, yeah, I think I come into, mm, I don't know, I, I guess I joined Jack.org for, for more of a professional perspective rather than like for personal reasons. Um, I've had my own mental health struggles and I, I've learned a lot through like personally through developing Be There. But I joined Jack.org because I wanted a new project to sink my teeth into. And in my old role, um, like it kind of had become operational. And I really like, I guess this is like my engineering background, but I really like building new things and creating new things from ideas and, you know, seeing that materialize in the world. So I was less interested in like just the operational ongoing running a program. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, like you mentioned in the introduction, I, I really have a passion for health equity. So as an engineer, my first job as an engineer was, um, was working in a human factors lab and it was like doing these like really high tech, like, but, but very subtle increases in, um, in a variety of different things. So I just started feeling like I couldn't pour my resources into like these small incremental, um, improvements in health when there was such a drastic, like there's a huge gap in what people, um, have access to. Yeah. So I, I kind of did like a, a 180 and thought about, okay, what's the greatest health need in the world? And yeah. one of the greatest health needs is to have clean water. Yeah. So I went to Uganda and I designed pipelines and stuff. And um, yeah, just kind of working on various areas of health equity. And so when this opportunity came up to like build an online mental health educational resource, I thought, well, that's, that's perfect. That, um, you know, most people have access to internet either at school or a library or somewhere, um, if not at home or if not on their phones. And so to be able to bring education, like it kind of, kind of wanted to like democratize and like, um, distribute to anyone to level the playing field of, you know, not everyone has an opportunity to hear a Jack talk or to go to counseling or to just have people in their lives who can really support them. So, um, I, that, that's what makes me excited is to try and level the playing field somewhat. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much for sharing your stories. And I just wanted to know a little bit more about um, Be There. So sort of how did Be There come out of Jack.org? Because I know Jack.org was there first and then sort of sprung out of that. So a little bit more about Be There's journey to sort of let our audience know a little bit more about it. Yeah, so Be There really came out of um, young people in the Jack.org network asking for it. Okay. I don't think 
they knew what to ask for, but they had questions and they wanted to know more like, what if my friend is struggling? What do I say? Or what if like they want help, but their parents aren't supportive or what if, what if, what if? And like a lot of these questions of how do I help? How do I support? Um, so yeah, we were hearing those and maybe Cheyenne, you can speak from personal experience, but mm. Jack, our Jack talk speakers, they're trained on like mental health 101 and, um, just sort of like a, a high level overview of these five golden rules of how to be there for someone. Yeah. But we just found young people like have a lot more questions and they were kind of like, yeah, we, we get it. Mental health's a thing. We're supposed to ask for help. We're supposed to reach out. But a lot of young people, when they reach out for help, yeah, back, you know, um, even from really well-meaning, well-intentioned parents, friends, teachers, um, they might hear like, oh, like you need to get out for a walk and get some more exercise or like everybody's stressed, like you'll get through it. Um, but those things aren't always helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So we started, you know, hearing this, this feedback, um, we decided, okay, let's, let's do a proper needs assessment. We did a survey of 1200 students across Canada and asked them lots of questions. Have you, have you had the opportunity to be there for someone? Did you reach out? How'd it go? Did you feel prepared? If you didn't reach out, why not? What questions do you have that would make you feel more prepared to support someone and getting all this information back. We, we collated like, I don't know, about 50 or 60 questions that we wanted this resource to answer. We had no idea if it was going to be a pamphlet, an app, a video. We landed on a website um, with lots of like multimedia and stories and different things. Yeah. Yeah. Then we just kind of went out, like set out to answer all these questions and that's sort of a variety of forms, um, either in like a specific Q and a, um, section of be there, the questions from the community or what, what I found was really cool was as we started researching and pulling the content together to answer these questions, it like aligned perfectly with, the five golden rules that we were already teaching in um, the Jack talks. So that, that actually came before be there, but the five golden rules is, is really at the heart of be there. Um, And it kind of reinforced like, okay, we are on the right track. Young people just want to go deeper and they need to have more knowledge and more skills. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you so much for that. Shan, would you like to say anything as well? Um, the only thing I'll kind of add is what Michelle alluded to, which was like, yeah, when we were doing talks, probably like I would say like two years ago now and before that, um, you know, people would come up, ask questions, variety of different things. And I would say that the majority of questions, like honestly, 90% were very situational of like, okay, it's great. I, I understand that mental health is important, but like, how do I actually say something to this friend that's struggling? And it was a lot of things about the conversation itself, um, which I think, you know, as, as, as a society, you know, like five years ago, mental health wasn't really talked about when I was struggling with it. 
now like you can go online and like there's memes about it like there's youtube videos like people are talking about themselves yeah. but they don't really know how to talk about it which i think is really the nail that either hits on the head really well um and it really really came out of like what young people are looking for and i and i genuinely do believe that it is something that on the surface everyone thinks like oh yeah i know how to be there for someone but once you go into it like, even me like michelle was saying you know she's learning a lot from it i'm still learning so much from be there and there's still so many things that like I'm even referring to the site for um, because yeah. it is such a tricky thing. Like it's so hard to really be there for someone. And yeah, I think the website does a great job and I think it's something that, you know, fits the needs of what young people need. So we're just trying to get it in their hands now and, you know, deliver it to them as many ways as possible. That's amazing. And I sort of just want to elaborate a little bit more on the five golden rules that Michelle touched on a little bit. So mm-hmm. they say, say what you see, show you care, hear them out, know your role and connect to help. So if maybe one of you could just break it down a little bit more each step, for our listeners so they have a little bit more of a background of it yeah michelle do you want to go or should i go go for it <laughs> okay Talk speaker. <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's, let's go into these so um yeah so the golden rules are kind of guidelines to have these conversations um and yeah like you know you just said they're broken down to five kind of steps that you want to kind of keep in the back of your mind when you're having these conversations and the first one is say what you see which a lot of people do kind of mess up from the get-go and that can often cause you know the rest of the conversation to just not have a good chance of success because you know we think we're being there for someone by caring about them and we come with all this concern for them but if we start the conversation by saying like oh you know i'm really worried about you and i think that this is wrong and all these assumptions then that can put that person really quickly on the defensive and they just you know stop the conversation right there But the idea of say what you see is really stick to the facts, you know, don't say anything more than I noticed that you haven't been coming to school five out of the, you know, seven days of the last week, or I noticed that you have not been eating, which is weird because you normally eat lunch every day. So very, very specific things that they can't refute. It's, you know, very factual. And then you want to pair that with showing that you care, you know, so you're not just saying this to call the person out. You're saying it because I care about you and I want you to know that I'm here for you and really letting that person know what your real intentions are with that conversation. And ideally with both of these, uh, it gets that person to start opening up. And with Show You Care, we're really focusing on, you know, letting each other know and letting everyone know that Show You Care looks so different depending on who you are. You know, it's not always just inferred. It's not always just a hug. Some people you have to say something nice to them. Some people you might bring them their lunch and then have this conversation with them so that they really know that, you know, you care about them. Yeah. Um, now, hopefully, as they've kind of you've pointed something out to them and you told them that you care about them, they're going to start addressing whatever it is that you pointed out. So like, you know, hey, Michelle, you haven't been coming to work for the last five days and I care about you or, you know, here's your lunch. <laughs> she would yeah. start opening up and saying like, oh, yeah, thank you. Like, this is why, blah, blah, blah. And when they start doing that, we want to make sure we're really actively listening. Um, you know, we're not jumping yeah. in with our own assumptions. Because I think as young people, we often want to fix. Well, everyone really does. Um, yeah. But as young people, we you know, think we know the answers because we're in similar situations. But it's really important to know that that person's situation is completely unique to them. And it's really important just to let them kind of go through it and explain it in their own words and just ask questions to kind of, you know, keep the conversation going um, yeah. and, you know, connect some dots. But really let that person tell the story. Uh, now, as this whole conversation is kind of happening, we want to make sure that we're knowing our own role as well. So that's the fourth golden rule. Uh, and in that case, we're making sure that we remember that we're not this person's therapist. You know, our, our job there, our role there isn't to solve the person's problems and come out of it with everything being great. It's just to be there for that person as a friend and as a support that, you know, we would want in our life. Yeah. And so it's really important to, you know, not try to fix the problem and also set boundaries so that you're not making it worse for that person or for yourself. 
Um, Because, you know, if that person's talking about something that might be triggering for me, that's just going to make the conversation bad for everyone. So really important that, again, we're knowing our role, that we can't fix everything, but also that we have our own limits and that person does too. And so we want to make sure that it's a safe and productive conversation the entire way through. And lastly, we want to connect that person to help. So this one's probably the most important one just for the sake of actually fixing the problem, uh, which is really connecting that person with someone who will be able to, you know, diagnose and yeah. assess and support them throughout a longer process. And that doesn't always have to be like a therapist or a counselor. Maybe it's connecting them to a school resource or maybe it's to their family doctor. Or maybe it's, you know, getting them to go to a gym because maybe that's just going to help them. If it's a smaller issue, just get their mind off it. Maybe it's just like a mindfulness type thing. So yeah. that kind of help can look so different, but it's just a matter of making sure that there's something other than you kind of being there for them. Uh, because we want to make sure that this is a sustainable thing and you can't just be there for someone every day of every, you know, the entire year. Um, you can do that in some capacities, but not in a continuous soul supporting role. Uh, so those are the five golden rules. And, you know, the important thing to remember about them is that they're golden rules. They're not something that applies to every single situation that, yeah. you know, these are, you must do it. You must do it in this order. Um, it's going to really vary on your friendship, the situation, uh, what the problem is, um, all those kinds of things, uh, your capacity, how you know the person. Um, some golden rules might be more important. Some golden rules might be less important. And so just keeping them back of your mind as a framework for these conversations can really help improve them. And I, I say that from not just as a their coordinator, but as someone who, you know, practices these rules daily. There's so many conversations I have where I'll catch myself, you know, not really hearing them out and recognizing that, no, oh, no, I just let them talk, let them go yeah. do their thing. Or, you know, any, any kind of small thing, um, there's so much nuance to it that I think is really important. But um, yeah, just, you know, learning them and at least getting a basic understanding of them is, is already setting you miles ahead of someone who doesn't have them. Yeah, that's amazing. And also sort of like, if you guys maybe give me like, like both of you, like some, maybe could you speak to some personal examples, with like friends or family, where you sort of use the golden rules? Because you, you said yourself that like you saw mm-hmm. yourself like not being able to hear people out. So sort of any personal examples of friends or family where you saw that the golden rules were so like, effective? Yeah. Um, I can start with just two off the bat. Um, I would say the biggest ones for me have been, and, and honestly, all of them, but I think that, you know, just as someone who's kind of been aware of mental health and, you know, stuff for a while, I've kind of known that I'm not the person's therapist. And I've also tried to connect people to resources as much as I can. But I would say the three, which are kind of more soft skills, uh, the first three are, uh, well, some ways have more soft skills are still hard for me to practice. And so, you know, the say what you see, I think with um, a lot of my friends, I've had to practice that one really well with because with friends, you're very casual and it's very easy for you to kind of forget that some topics are more sensitive than others. And so it's easy to just be like, Hey man, like, you know, just do this, like take care of yourself, whatever, like, you know, kind of giving them what you think, like just jumping to the conclusion. Um, You know, like if if someone was wearing a bad outfit or something, maybe you have a friend where you're like, Oh man, that's like, there's an ugly shoe, like don't wear those, you know? Um, But like, you know, with a stranger, you'd like want to be more careful about it, for example. Um, And I think that that's the same way for mental health conversations, at least for me and my friend group is that, you know, I have to recognize that, it's not as easy as I might think it is just by being like, I want to do this. I want to do that. You got to kind of have that sensitivity to do it. And I think here, the mouth's been huge too, not for only for me, but also sharing with other people. So, you know, for me, I think it's with my sister, my girlfriend, really important for me to, you know, remember to really practice um, that and really kind of, you know, not interject, 
recognize that when that person's telling me their story, I don't have to, you know, jump in every second and be like, oh yeah, same thing happened to me or whatever. And not yeah. even just in my call conversations, but like someone's telling me about their day and they say, yeah, I had a really bad day today. Cause like I had a meeting canceled. I don't have to, you know, jump in right away and be like, oh yeah, same thing happened to me too. Even if I'm doing it from like a good place of like, I'm just trying to share with you it can seem like I'm kind of making it about myself to the other person. So really being mindful of that, but also just sharing it with other people. Like I've had to have some tough conversations like with my dad of being like, Hey, look, you know, when, when I'm talking to you and you jump in every like 30 seconds with a solution to something that wasn't even a problem in the first place, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't yeah. make me feel great. So I'd appreciate, you know, and so I think it's been really helpful for me in a lot of capacities, not only myself learning them, but, you know, sharing with other people and setting those boundaries for those conversations. Um, so yeah, it, I use it honestly daily. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. And uh, sorry, Michelle. Yeah, I agree. I use it daily as well. Um, I think the nice thing about Be There is it's a framework that is general enough that apply it can apply to like lots of different situations, lots of different types of relationships. Um, you know, across different cultures, across different ages, but it's also specific enough that it, it's actually helpful. It's not just like, be nice, get exercise. Like, yeah. it, it really does give uh, good guidance and direction. Um, you know, so, so everything from like being more mindful and intentional about how like I can show my wife that I care about her when she's struggling with something like be there. The show you care golden rule reminds me that like I need to show her I care in a way that she'll receive it. Not in the way that like I would want to receive it. So, you know, it could be as simple as like asking them, you know, is there, I know you have like a stressful week this week. Is there anything I can do to help and help you get through it? Um, Or with some people, certain relationships, um, you, you already know, like, okay, I really appreciate if someone like makes me dinner, but they prefer like a hug or whatever. Um, Yeah. So it can be really like a daily simple interaction and then be there applies also to like much more extreme mental health struggle or mental illness. Um, I can think of a time like, so uh, I was in touch with a friend online and sometimes talking on the phone and like knew that she was really struggling. Um, you know, had, uh, just had a lot of anxiety, was depressed, um, expressed some hints that, you know, might've had some suicidal thoughts and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I really, this was before I knew about Be There, but like, I wish I had had it because I really struggled to know my role in that, you know, as someone I cared about, wasn't there in person so it was very difficult to gauge really how serious it was um and so like that's where know your role applies right i i had to set certain boundaries um you know having my own struggles with depression and stuff 
I, I couldn't really like be the one to dive deep and like talk about that and stuff. So I had to set some boundaries of, you know, I, here's what, what I'm willing to talk about in our conversations. And like, actually I'm not, okay, I'm not comfortable like going there. Yeah. Um, and then connecting them to help. So that's a tricky thing of like stepping back to protect my own mental health, but not leaving them feeling abandoned or, um, or like hopeless. So yeah. connecting them to people who maybe online, but in this case it was, I was able to connect them to people like actually in their community um, who were not necessarily better, like professionally to support them. Um, but just, just able to support in different ways than I can. Cause everyone's going to like know, interpret, know their role differently and stuff. So that was a way more extreme situation, but I find that like be there can help in a variety of different situations. Yeah. Thank you guys again so much for sharing that. Um, that was definitely like extremely impactful. And I sort of want to lead from this into asking like, could you like still help people with mental health troubles when you are going through sort of your own struggles? Um, is that something like from your own personal experiences? Like, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, question. yeah, it is. Um, do you want to go first, Michelle? I have some thoughts I can share if you want. But. Um, sure. I guess the quick answer is yes. Uh, if you can set appropriate boundaries and if you have appropriate like self-care strategies and uh, support for yourself. So being in a, you know, official caregiving role or just being there as a friend, that, that is hard on you. Yeah. Um, whether you're struggling with your own mental health or not. And so another, another aspect of be there on the website is be there for yourself. And, um, that that's really important to like know the signs when, you know, it's getting too much for you when you're getting stressed, when you're, uh, you know, for me to know if, if I walk into, um, our office at work, we have an open concept, like hot desking, you can sit wherever you want. And yeah. if I know a sign for me that I'm not doing well is if I sit in this certain section that's like off to the side and like, I don't want to interact with people. Whereas normally yeah. when I come into the office, I say good morning to people. I'm like, so just noticing these small things about knowing things about yourself that can flag like, Oh, okay. I need to take some breaths and I need to like, um, take care of myself and to know ways that you can fill yourself back up, then, then maybe you can balance that with supporting someone else. But yeah, there are times when you have to say like, I can't, I can't do this. And so that's where connect to help comes in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, not to go too much into, cause I think Michelle pretty much covered everything for that. But, um, yeah, I think that, you know, as young people, often we do struggle the most with the know your role kind of aspect of the golden rules and especially setting those boundaries and like recognizing that just cause you're struggling 
you know, or just because someone is coming to you struggling doesn't mean that you have to, you know, fix everything for them. Um, and like, I've seen so many things online of people with such good intentions being like, hey, you know, if you need anything, like message me, I've, and they kind of confess, like, or open up about all this things that they struggled with. And they're like, if you're in a similar situation, like, you know, hit me up, like, I'm always here to chat, like, anytime, whatever, which is like, great, obviously, because we want people to be there for each other. But I, some people will do it without that kind of limitation of like, what if you have a hundred people messaging you and they're messaging you at like 6 a.m.? Like, are you going to be responding to every single person? Yeah. Um, so really, you know, making sure that although we are well-intentioned with things, setting those understandings of like, when you promise someone something as a support, and if you say like, you can let me know anytime with anything, like that impacts that person's decision-making moving on. So if, you know, you say to someone like, yeah, don't worry about it. Like I'm here for you for anything at all. And like, you could hit me up at any time of the day, like all that kind of stuff. That person might not then think that they need to go like get another sport. They think they have you and not to say that like you shouldn't be there for someone really making sure you're saying like, Hey, you know, I can be there for you for these things. Um, Like if you want to meet like once a day at like noon, like that's totally fine with me. But like, I really do think that to solve this, you should probably go talk to, the school guidance office or whatever um because you know that is what's gonna what's gonna fix that person's problem and i know that i personally had to deal with that a lot where like people will reach out to me and they'll start talking to me about something and then i'll you know support them as much as i can but you know once you realize the conversation is going you can only you know give so much time i'll say like you know i really do think that speaking to a professional might be better for this or whatever depending on the situation um so i will say that like yeah there like michelle said there is definitely that capacity to support someone you know like the perfect example i can think of is like just because you're going to the gym doesn't mean that you're not going to like help your buddy out and take him to the gym with you and like you know you know spot him or whatever but like if your buddy just wants to sit there and you're going to like do the exercises for you and you know your friend and like that's you know it's going to drain you out so quickly um but there still is like you can drive them there you can spot them you can count their reps for them like there's things you can do still um while being there for someone if you're struggling yourself as well yeah. So thank you guys so much. Like the way you guys broke that down was incredible. So really, really, really appreciate it. Um, so I want to segue from this into asking like, I'm pretty curious to know like, what was that sort of that moment? Maybe it was a collection of moments sort of when you worked at Jack.org or be there where you were like, like this work is worth it. Or like, I can really, 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 really see like the impact like right in front of my eyes. And that's sort of like motivated you to even, you know, dive more into it. Um, I can answer this pretty quickly if you want, Michelle, and then give you a second to you can go through it after. Um, but I think for me, it was, I would say there's two moments for it. One, like, was when I actually first started just as, like, a speaker. Um, seeing, like, the messaging that I was, like, and it was, like, I, you know, came up with the messaging myself. Like, we're trained and taught all this. Um, but seeing what I was able to kind of share at these mass levels, like, I was just imagining, like, if I was in that audience and I was in grade 9 or grade 10 or whatever grade, I was talking to and I was sharing this with them, like how would that have impacted me? And in so many cases, like, you know, they're high school assemblies. Maybe I wouldn't have listened that well, but like, I still think that having that presence in my school would have made a huge difference to me, you know, in grade 12, when I think back to like what my position was back then, um, as someone who went through, you know, 12 years of formal public school education without any mention of the word mental health. um, I think that would have, you know, changed a lot for me. And honestly, the next biggest thing I think was actually just seeing how practical be there is. Um, Because, you know, we can make a post on social media about like, take care of your friends. And it's, you know, World Mental Health Day. And that's great. Um, 
and there's nothing wrong with that by any means, but it's hard to kind of see the impacts of that. But when, you know, I'm having these conversations with people and I'm referring to be there <laughs> to support myself and support my friends, like that's when I know that, oh no, like this is something that like anyone can benefit from. Like I've sent it to my dad, like when it first came out and he was even saying how like, wow, like this is something that like, I wish I had for so many conversations And he's like, you know, yeah. you know, late fifties, early sixties, Middle Eastern immigrant. Yeah. Like if he's going to benefit from it, then like, you yeah. know, I think a lot of people can. So um, yeah, I would say those were, you know, the collection of moments for me that really, really made it stick. Yeah. That's awesome. Michelle. Yeah. I can think of a couple moments. Um, where interactions with people where I was really encouraged or felt like, oh, there's something, we're onto something here. Um, I, I guess that's, you know, a lot of my work was um, sort of independent, like working on my own a lot to, you know, comb through 1,200 responses to that survey and then, um, research and, you know, pull all these different resources together, um, in the writing of Be There. Like there was a lot of independent work up front and, um, you know, supported by our comms team and with direction from my manager and stuff, but it, it wasn't maybe until like, I really started working with young people like live, you know, we had a lot of input from that initial survey. Yeah. But um, then we started recruiting young people to do videos for Be There. So there's tutorials, uh, just short, quick little tutorials, and then um, these longer stories that have someone who struggled and then someone who supported them and was there for them. And um, it was just such an honor to like, have these kind of pre-interviews on the phone talking to pairs of friends or siblings or, um, you know, like mother, daughter or partners. And it, it's just in, like so inspiring to hear people's stories, like real stories, you know? Um, and then, yeah, I think that moment when we got in the studio, we had two days of shooting um, 12 pairs of young people yeah. telling their be their stories. And being in the studio with them, I just got to like casually chat and then get into like questions about what really worked and what didn't. Yeah. And um, there was just a lot of courage in their vulnerability and it was, it was really moving. And I just felt really honored to like be, um, be there with, with them sharing their stories. So that was, that was a time when I was like, oh, okay, we have written content. Yeah. These videos are going to like set be there apart. Um, so that was really special. And then, you know, once we actually had the resource and I was like really excited about it, really proud of it. Um, and we, we sort of had like a launch party for Be There. And we had um, a couple hundred people from the mental health sector, from like youth from the Jack.org network, you know, our staff team. And 
and we had a pair of um, young people, two sisters who who shared their story on me there, Liv and Erica. We had them speak. Um, and we even had actually a performance from um, Dear Evan Hansen because Dear Evan Hansen was in Toronto at that time and they partnered with us as a charity like to support mental health. Yeah. Um, and it was a really special evening like to see all the people who appreciate and are excited about this resource. Yeah. Um, and I know there's... There was one conversation in particular, um, the, the CEO of Kids Help Phone was there uh, as a supporter and, and she was just like, she, she had tears in her eyes and she was like saying that, that she wished she had this earlier and wow. for different relationships that she's tried to support people in. And I'm like, wow, like if somebody who, she, she must have every advantage, every resource available, you know, being involved in mental health and CEO of Kids Help Phone. I'm like, if you think this is valuable with yeah. all these other options available, then I'm like, I think we've really done something here. Yeah. Um, so that was really encouraging. And uh, yeah, it's just been, it's been great. We've had a great response since launching and, and great response positively, but also, I love getting feedback on how to improve it too. Yeah. So, you know, we, we more recently had a conversation and filmed more stories with, um, with some other mental health advocates uh, to, to women who are advocating and involved in um, mental health for Indigenous youth. And they had some great feedback on like how we can improve the Connect to Help section. Yeah. Um, and just talking to different people about how to improve it, like that makes me really excited too. Yeah. So that's, yeah, it's been a good experience. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much for that. Um, and sort of, I just want to ask, like, what do you guys think about the progress that Canada has made as a whole towards sort of breaking the mental health stigma? Um, specifically for stigma, I think that, we have done, you know, huge strides in the past, just like years that I've been involved with it. So again, like five years. Um, I think that that, you know, when I compare like what the conversations were like then and what they're like now and pop culture and just like how, how realistic it is for my friends to have told me five years ago that they're seeing a therapist versus now, it's just yeah. staggering like the difference. Um, and I think, you know, big parts of that, I will say have been for organizations, you know, like Jack.org who are kind of sharing that messaging. And there's a lot of different organizations like that who are kind of pushing that, uh, you know, agenda, so to speak of the, you know, talking about mental health in positive yeah. ways. Um, I think a huge part of it also has just been like pop culture and like as young people who, you know, five years ago were just graduating high school are now older, I think and they've been yeah. kind of leading a lot of those conversations. Um, I think that's been, you know, very fundamental as well in, you know, them leading the conversations in their friend groups and then that kind of having a ripple effect. So I think part of it is from organizations who are just doing more work for mental health, but then part of it's also for, uh, or from, uh, you know, people just talking about it and recognizing yeah. the importance of it. But I will say that that does, you know, come with a lot of demand after that isn't necessarily being met sometimes. Um, so, you know, as people are talking about it and as organizations are talking about it, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, governments are putting all this funding towards it now, or they're building yeah. the, you know, new mental health resources or anything like that. Um, and a lot of times people, you know, are talking about it 
So the stigma is going down, but the connect the help part still isn't going up. So, you know, I, I, I saw at least when I was like an undergrad, comparing my first years to my like last years, a lot of people were talking about it. And then when I'd be like, Hey, have you like thought to go see a counselor? And like, Oh no, I don't think counseling's going to work for me or, Oh no, like, you know, that's not, it's yeah. not that bad or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I still do think that there's a lot of stigma in actually addressing mental health issues, um, you know, cause then it seems like you're a patient rather than just like a victim. Yeah. Um, and not to say that people should be ashamed or anything like that, or that there's anything wrong with actually being a victim. Cause a lot of us are, it's just a matter of like, you know, recognize that both are important. It's, it's important to recognize that you're struggling and recognize that there's something that's not okay at the moment. Yeah. But also that like there is options, there are options out there for that help. Um, and that, you know, we should be doing something about it. So I think that's kind of on the people side and as like, you know, everyday people. And then I think on the government, on the Canada, you know, larger scale side, there should definitely be more push towards creating more supports for mental health. And I know like the Ontario government announced that they're going to be doing some free resources or something over the next you know few months for mental health. So I'm curious to see how that kind of all pans out. Um, but yeah, I do think that we're kind of going the right direction, but I think it's not only on decision makers, but also on us to really make sure the conversation isn't just like, Oh my God, my life sucks. And like, I'm going to yeah. make a meme about it. And then that's the end of the line. Like it's, you know, there's gotta be more steps after that of like, Hey, I'm noticing a problem but I'm also going to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, Michelle, would you like to add anything? Um, yeah, I, I agree that overall there's been huge progress um, reducing the stigma associated with struggling with your mental health. Um, but I think more work needs to be done um, on struggles that that like outside of depression and anxiety um, or potentially certain types of those. So I see that there's still a lot of stigma um, around eating disorders, for example, Um, potentially like postpartum depression, uh, addictions. There's, there's a lot of things that for, for one reason or another, maybe, the people who are struggling with those are still blamed. I think there's a lot of like lack of education, you know, the, you you might hear things like, you know, someone who has an eating disorder, like, Oh, they just, they just want to be skinny. Like just eat something. Like it's, that's not what it's about. And it, and I think there's a lack of education um, around some of those things or people being blamed for their addictions, like they're, they're weak or they're, um, or, you know, there's still, there's still some misunderstanding there, I think. Um, and also just varying levels of comfort with more severe mental illnesses, um, you know, potentially, you know, working with someone or like on a project at school who has OCD or, um, you know, being like in community with someone who has schizophrenia or bipolar, like there's still a lot of stigma and, and fear, I think, um, associated with that. So yeah, huge, huge strides. Look at the let's talk 10 years of like, 
the general mental health messaging that like we can all struggle in these things. But um, yeah, I would love to see like some more understanding and education and compassion um, for, for real people who are struggling with real illnesses um, that, that maybe we perceive kind of in different ways. Yeah. Again, thank you so much for sharing. And of course, guys, we're on a time limit over here. So again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much, Shan and Michelle, for taking the time out here and really spreading the message about Jack.org and be there. So again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And would also love to know what would be the best way for our listeners to reach um, Jack.org and be there. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Uh, we love talking about be there. <laughs> We're passionate about it. Um, I mean, the first step is to go to be there.org or in French, etrela.org and check it out. Like spend some time watching the videos and hearing these stories and reading, um, you know, the tips and the questions. And then um, there's, there's so many ways that you can get involved in jack.org. Um, you know, through becoming a Jack Talk speaker or becoming like starting a chapter at your school or joining a chapter if there's already a chapter at your school. Yeah. Or uh, talking to, you know, administrators and faculty at your school, teachers to get a Jack Talk to come to your school. Um, there's so many ways to get involved. And, you know, if none of those are, if you're done at the time or don't want to commit to big things like that, then um, we also have something called Do Something. And you can go to jack.org, the website, and click on Do Something. And there's tons of easy initiatives that, that you could do in your community to yeah, reduce stigma, to improve like education, to advocate for different things, to, to improve the mental health of your community. Um, and actually one of those I think is actually sharing be there. Yeah. So, so talk about it when you see people around you who, who might need that or like share it on social media or share it, um, like send the link to somebody if you think it might help them. Um, yeah, those are all ways that you can get involved and educate yourself and educate other people. Mm-hmm. And Chan, would you like to add anything as well? I think Michelle hit it all. The only thing I'll add is uh, our social handle is uh, jack.org, but completely spelled out. So J-A-C-K-D-O-T-O-R-G. Um, so yeah, check us out. And luckily, both the names are websites. So the websites have all the information about everything. So yeah, definitely take a look at Be There uh, more in depth and you know, see what you can learn. Awesome. So again, guys, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and really, really appreciate taking the time out to be here today. Thank you. Thank you. If you liked any part of that, please, please, please leave us a review. It will mean the world to us. And please let us know your thoughts, how you think we can improve and continue providing more and more value to our community because we are here to serve you and make sure that you have the best time possible and really kill it in your self-development journey. Thank you very much.